What a day, what a day, what a day. My name is Ryan Hansen. Thank you for joining me on this episode of EQ Book Club. If you click this episode and you are not Jewish, I want you to know that I really appreciate you and your willingness to learn. It really says a lot about you. I want to share a little bit of vulnerability on this episode. I've had a lot of Jewish guests on the show, and I think it is partly because as a Jew, my cultural network is inherently Jewish, so a lot of the cool people I know happen to be Jewish. And I think the other part of that is that Reformed Judaism, as I know it, and possibly other sects of Judaism, really allow for a structure that fosters curiosity and internal growth in a way that has led all of my Jewish guests and myself to working in and studying the internal being in some way or another. Now, here is the truth of what I wanted to share today. I never wanted to do this episode. In fact, I did everything I could to guide my Jewish guests away from the topic of Judaism. Of course, it was something we always had in common, so it naturally came up. I had never been trying to... I had really been trying to steer the conversation away from Judaism as to not alienate my audience, you, the listener. And because of that, I ironically began alienating myself and my own truths. One of those truths is that my studying of Judaism and the Jewish leaders that were a part of my life absolutely influenced my ability to question, to challenge, and be curious. And that very directly led me to what I do today and my ability to connect with myself, others, my environment, and philosophy. I realized after the last episode that it was time to engage, to fully let y'all into a big part of who I am. Currently, I only consider myself culturally Jewish. I don't pray in the same way uh, that my rabbinical teachers do. I don't study Torah or the Bible. I don't celebrate Jewish holidays. Externally, my Judaism revolves around the fact that I still have a lot of Jewish friends, and I hang out with them. I work at a Jewish summer camp because I am intrinsically motivated to by the autonomy that the work allows me, the community connection I have to the people I've known most of my life, and the competence I have in my skill sets relating to the work I do there. Spiritually, I have created my own belief system outside of Judaism that works for me, it is based in studying Judaism as well as many other religions, faiths, and philosophies, including Christianity, Hinduism, Taoism, the Baha'i faith, and mostly Buddhism, as well as Carl Jung and Joseph Campbell and many other philosophers. So I wanted to do this episode to allow those of you who are also working on developing your own spirituality or clarifying your internal philosophy an opportunity to learn more about Judaism with someone who is so good at making Judaic concepts accessible and is just an incredible storyteller. Rabbi Baruch Hecht, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you very much, Ryan. I appreciate that and what an intro. <laughs> I'll try my best to keep up to what you just said. No problem at all. Let's, let's start with the basics uh, and then we can shift into maybe how emotional intelligence uh, plays a role in Judaism. But in, you know, this is a very hard question, but in the easiest way you could conceptualize it, what is Judaism? 
Judaism is a religion unlike any other because it's partial practice and partial essence of who you are. Meaning, as you were explaining about yourself, you're not practicing, you don't pray in the same way, or you know your understanding of spirituality is different than what Judaism explains. That doesn't make you any less Jewish than the Orthodox Jew or the ultra-Orthodox Jew who's praying three times a day and keeping the Sabbath, etc. You're still as Jewish, 100% as the other. But there is the side of Judaism that very much focuses on the practice. So it's somewhere between the two. Mm -hmm. You know, for example, if you were to compare it to other religions, whether it be Islam, Christianity, or of those, it's really all about practice. And if you're not practicing, then you're you're not a good Christian, per se, or something to that effect. Right. There's no such thing in Judaism as a good Jew or not a good Jew. Right. You're Jewish. And sure. then everybody's journey is different in how much they're going to practice of their faith. Mm. I love that. I have many times, you know, growing up in the South and surrounded by Christianity and anti-Semitism and, and just people generally not understanding Judaism and what it might be. Um, I've spent a lot of time conceptualizing analogies and, and trying to re-explain Judaism to myself so that I can explain it to other people and connect the dots for them. And um, so I think that's an, an excellent point that it is a part, I feel personally, it is more, maybe not more, but more of a cultural, like, essence, as you said, being, being Jewish, um, living in that way. I think in the same way that people say, um, people, Christians might say that they live uh, in the way of Christ. They live that essence of Christ. I think, you know, as somebody who doesn't know exactly what that means, that that is the most similar uh, connection that I see there. People living in the essence of Christ, living in the essence of Judaism is like being on top of things uh, as, as much as you can be to be good for the world and be good for yourself and everyone around you, which takes a lot of emotional intelligence, which takes a lot of uh, connection to the self and spirituality. And uh, let's get into a little bit more about that. Sure. Um, and yeah, I think that's an excellent segue. If Judaism, or being Jewish, Jewish and Judaism, I think there's a little bit of a divide there. So yeah. being Jewish, what is that? Is you have a certain spark, a certain soul. In Hebrew, that word would be neshama. In English, that's spelled N-E-S-H-A-M-A, -E neshama, which is a soul, Jewish soul. And much of our emotional intelligence is because of that soul. Yeah. As the... Chabad philosophy is, there's different sects in Judaism, one of the orthodox sects is Chabad, and the philosophy of Chabad is that there are three primary powers or faculties in your mind, in your ability to think, and the consciousness of that, and that there are seven primary emotional attributes or powers that are what, you know, your heart uses, mm -hmm. your feelings, the different kinds of feelings that you have, different emotions that you have. What are those three? So the three that you have in your mind is 
what actually Chabad is an acronym for. I'll say them in Hebrew and then in English. Sure. Chachma Bina Da'at, which is loosely translated as wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. And the idea behind them in short, because this can take a lifetime and yeah. I'm still learning. Sure. We're always learning. But in short, the idea is the first step of your mind is either pulling from the subconscious or supraconscious. Right. So somewhere in the depths or the blacks of the mind where we're not conscious of that thought. So if you're starting to think about something, whether it's working through a problem or having a discussion about any kind of topic, and you have that, as I like to call it, the aha moment, mm-hmm. that the light bulb pops up in your head. At that very moment, if I were to take you out of yourself and freeze the camera, you know, freeze the play and say, right. hey... Do you know exactly what you're thinking when you said, aha, I got it? And the answer is no. Right. It landed in your brain. Yeah. It is now consciously in your brain. That's the first step. That's the initial flash. Then you have what is called the bina. Bina is the knowledge. So that's the formation. Kabbalists talk much about comparing the first two powers of the mind to a father and mother. The father provides the seed, and the mother takes that seed and forms that into a beautiful child mm-hmm. over nine months of gestation. So Bina would be where that aha moment now starts to take shape. I'm starting to put words to this thought. I'm starting to put this whole thought together so it is coherent, so I actually understand what it is that I am thinking. It's starting to take shape. And then finally, you have Da'as, understanding. And this is something we talked about a little bit before. Right. What it means to understand is to really experiencing experience it, not just in your mind, but that the thought is so clear to you that A, it will arouse a certain feeling within yourself. Right. And we'll get to the seven emotions in a minute. And B, you're able to then relay that thought to somebody else. Right. And that's always, you know, the litmus test that we have for ourselves. <laughs> How well do you know something? And we always tell ourselves, if you feel comfortable enough to explain it to somebody else, and you know it well enough to explain it to somebody else, then you have a certain mastery, if you will, of Mm -hmm. that knowledge. Absolutely. And so those are the three emotional, I'm sorry, logical uh, powers, Chachma, Binadas, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. That's awesome. And then, so now there are seven emotional powers. Yes, Um, As the Kabbalists talk about this often, and um, we'll go through them briefly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, We'll say it in Hebrew, and then we'll translate them in English. Is chesed, gevura, tiferet, netzach, hod, yesod, malchut. The two primary ones are chesed and gevura, which chesed translates as loving kindness, and gevura would be severity or restriction. Mm. So... Those being the primary of the kind of doing, the actions, the feelings more of a positive feeling, and an openness would be from chesed, from loving kindness. They stem from there. Mm -hmm. The kind of holding back, putting up boundaries, being a little bit less vulnerable and being more protective, Mm -hmm. that would come from givura, which the word givura also means strength. So holding yourself with strength, I'm not going to do this. One of the cute examples they give of how these actually work together is, for example, a child wants to play with something that's dangerous, a knife or or something like that. So the chesed side of you, the loving kindness part of you says, of course I want to give the child what he wants and, you know, that they can enjoy and play and discover. 
But the Gevura side of you says, well, wait a second. This would be a bad idea because the child can harm themselves. Sure. So this is just kind of an example practically where they play out. Tiferet is translated as harmony, beauty, or truth, where how can you mix things that seem to be opposite of each other? You know, the fire and water, the red and the blue, the do's and the don'ts, that you need something that can go above and beyond the limits of each of those two parties to say you guys actually can work together to carry out what it is you want to do. Mm-hmm. So, for example, in the case of the child, the Tiferet attribute in your heart would say, let me give you something else to play with because this is danger. Sure. Netzach would be translated as endurance or confidence, the ability to be victorious. You need that. You need to be able to endure. You need to have that confidence that you will be able to endure and come out on top. Hod is translated as humility. So to really experience something, you're going to need all of these attributes. Humility might be maybe the most important, that you're allowing yourself or you're making sure to tell yourself that there's room for something else, something else within you, mm-hmm. that there are other emotions that need to come into play. And then, of course, when you're dealing with other people or beings or anything like that, interacting with anything outside of yourself, you do need to have a little humility. I think humility is also maybe the concept of acceptance as well, that when all of these emotions are at play, when all these, uh, you're, even the three logical ones, when you're trying to understand something, you, you have that humility, that acceptance of maybe I don't know it right now. And because of that, I get the opportunity to learn. And, and get further in this thought process or get closer to these emotions or get better at X, Y, and Z. Absolutely. Exactly, exactly. Then you have Yesod, which is translated as foundation or bonding. Yesod would take all of these attributes that we have been talking until now and put them together. So really giving you more of a full picture. Then you have finally Malchut, which translates as kingship. But in this case... It actually is kind of an oxymoron the way it works, which is the Jewish version of what a king or a ruler is supposed to be. Malchut rulership is, on one hand, being the servant of everybody. You cannot Mm -hmm. be the king unless you were put there by all of the people. And on the other hand, once that king or ruler is in power, it's to give to all of their servants everything that they're going to need, to all the people in their country, everything that they're going to need. So Malchut, when you're talking about from an emotional perspective, takes everything that it gets. It has no power of its own other than what it's able to take in from the previous six emotional attributes and then can distribute this. Where is it distributing this? Into your, back to your brain of how you feel, Mm -hmm. i.e. emotional intelligence. And also when relating to other people. If, and I'm sure you've been learning about this and maybe some of your listeners are, are focused on this too, when you're talking to somebody or you experience anything with somebody, you know, certain emotions are going to flare up mm-hmm. and you're going to have a certain kind of feeling. It can be very intense. Mahut is making sure everything is kind of working how it's supposed to be. And this is a really short conversation about, you know, a lot is written about these things. But that's in short the three logical powers, the seven emotional powers, which gives you a total of 10. The number 10 is big in, in Judaism, but it's kind of this idea of a complete set and um, we spend a lifetime working on being able to be conscious of those 
powers, whether it be intellectual and or emotional, and how we can allow the flow to kind of go through all of them and be our best. Because when they're all working in sync, then we can be our best version of ourselves. It's when they kind of get out of control or our mind is controlling our heart and not vice versa, Mm -hmm. then we kind of get all out of sorts. And so we really spend a lifetime working on trying to keep our composure. You know, you want to have feelings. You need to have emotions. Emotions is a key component in Judaism and its practice, but it's got to be guided by the right tools. Absolutely. I think to maybe translate a little bit of that, what's the seventh emotional one? Malchut. Malchut. I have been talking a lot about that conceptually recently. To be a leader, you have to support the people that you're leading. And that's essentially what you were saying a second ago. And I think that is beautifully why it is the 10th of those, the three and the seven. It's the 10th. When you have all of the other ones in place, that Malhut is supporting every other one and making sure that because your systems internally are not going to work at their best level, uh, the people that you are talking to or leading or interacting with or one-on-one relationship that you're having, none of it is going to work at the best level if you cannot support all of those other nine things and the other person's other 10 things as well, if, if you can, you know, and doing this emotional intelligence work, that is having, getting to that capacity, growing that capacity to lead and to be able to connect and support and uh, do exactly that. So I love that that is the 10th one. I think that's perfect. Oh, I'm happy that this works uh, <laughs> along, you know, where you're, where you're coming from and, and where you're going. Just to clarify, obviously every person is different. So we have all of these 10, but each person has something that is maybe the more dominant side of them, right? Absolutely. Not everybody's as loving as Ryan is, you know? <laughs> so that doesn't mean that if you're not, you know, on the face of it, more kind or anything that you cannot be kind. You can, maybe in a little bit of a different way, but everybody has a certain disposition that they're born with. And if they can utilize that to their best, that's all we're asking. Mm -hmm. You know, you can always be in control of where you want you to take your emotions and how it'll best express you. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes this world so amazing and why we love talking to people is because every person is so different and you just want to be able to experience that person as they are because they're so different than you. Absolutely. And I guess we could segue a little bit into you love talking to people and understanding people. Like that's your whole thing is what I've heard. We we just met a week and a half ago. So just for clarity for the listeners. And we're having it we've had a bunch of great conversations since then. But everyone that has been telling me has been telling me that You love meeting new people and understanding their story and learning from those stories. Is there something about Judaism that has allowed for that level of curiosity? Is is it do you think that you were born with it being you, or was there external factors that have influenced that as well? That's an awesome question. I would assume, and I know you shouldn't assume things, but I would assume I had a little bit of that in me. I definitely know that through learning different ideas, and I'll talk about them in a second, that really solidified this as the mode of work I wanted to go into and why I really 
enjoy meeting people and hearing their life, mm-hmm. you know, their own personal story. So the primary command of Judaism and the primary prayer, it's expressed in the primary prayer of Judaism, is the Shema. Mm-hmm. Shema Yisrael, which is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. So the mm-hmm. belief in one God. Sure. That's the foundation of Jewish faith. And the word to hear, as explained by many of the Chabad masters and others, to hear means you need to turn off. Meaning, in order to hear God, in order to hear the ability to listen, means you cannot be thinking anything other than what you are receiving at that moment. And I heard this from um, uh, a really wonderful rabbi. He's a very smart man. His name is Rabbi Simon Jacobson. And he would listen to talks by the late Chabad Rebbe, who would talk on Shabbat on Saturdays, and we don't write or record or do anything like that. Mm -hmm. And this rabbi, the Rebbe, would talk for hours on end. And he would have to remember everything so that they can write it down. And there were three or four of them who would, they were called in Hebrew the choser or the repeater, because after the Sabbath was over, they would get together and make sure they all heard the same thing. This is like... 36 hours later. This is about, I mean, it can be anywhere between 12 to 24 hours later. Yeah. So, you know, they've been asked, and when we met them, we would ask, how did you guys remember everything? Because this is a tremendous amount of knowledge that's being dropped. And they said, we learned what it meant to listen. We were off during those times, and we're just taking everything in. And that had a profound impact on me of what it really means to listen to somebody. And I loved it because then I can experience somebody else as they are and you can hear so much more than just a word somebody is saying you can read between the lines you can understand then what is body language what is this person really feeling what are they do they want help do they not want help do they just want to be heard do do they want to converse on a logical like all of these things became open to me it just literally opened the floodgates of this is who i want to be i want to be an expert listener that's what i want to be known that's for awesome and you know that I'm a big sports fan, and I think that's also the reason. I mean, I love sports and ath- athleticism, but the stories behind them, when you listen to their stories, it's it's just fascinating to me. It, it really is eye-opening. I think that that's really where it came from, is, you know, that command of to hear, O Israel, what does it mean to listen? And then hearing what that truly means to listen had a big impact on me, and I try every day. And I think, especially in today's political climate, and just everybody seems to be on edge. Yeah. If we can all just take a listen to somebody else, just listen, just turn off, hear where they're coming from, truly try to hear the other person, not just the words they say, but who the person is, what is the person trying to convey, mm-hmm. I think it would be a much better place. Absolutely. When you understand every choice we make is driven by emotions. So that means that every word that comes out of our mouth is driven by emotions. And when you can understand what is driving the other person, then you can understand a lot more about them and where they're coming from and how to continue to interact with them and make an environment safe and secure for the both of you. So I love that. Presence, a beautiful thing, being present in the moment to be able to listen. That's what this is all about. That's what I love to do as well. And I'm Glad we've been getting to do it together for the past two weeks. It's been awesome. Yeah, very much appreciate it. Uh, just to share with the listeners. So when Ryan came over with a bunch of, as he was saying, Jewish friends on a Friday night, 
and um, I was just in, you know, going around the tables. There was a bunch of new people, and then I meet Ryan, and it was almost instant. Absolutely, almost instant. And then <laughs> the meal was way over, and we're still talking at the table. And <laughs> you know, I, I think uh, I think the world needs a lot more of that. Just sitting yeah. down, turn the phone off, focus on the person in front of you, and just have a a good, authentic conversation. Yeah, and it was my source of interest in you and i'm sure somewhere along the way it happened the same way uh in your eyes but uh i heard you speak for the first time i had just shook your hand maybe like 15 minutes before didn't really think much further on it and then uh you got up to speak and you started your sentence with i'm sure y'all are tired of me connecting judaism to basketball and red hot chili peppers (laughs) and i started crack it up because I was like I have not I have not heard this and I need to know more about this person and and what is it that drives his ability to connect Judaism to red hot chili peppers and uh you know I was listening to the peppers on the way here so like of course I got to connect with this person and I could have just listened to your spiel right but I knew that there was there was more for us to engage in and I think that when you can just do that with anybody that you meet, just connect to that one thing that you know that you have connection to and, and that you know that they're, you know, it makes both of you human. And of course, we were in a very safe environment where we were, we would probably network at some point anyway. But I think that makes it uh, a lot easier to connect with people that you don't know and that you don't, maybe you're not in the safest environment, just being able to connect and say, that is something that is a part of me as a human and that is something that is a part of them as a human and oh look at that holy shit like what we're both humans period period and then you're able to go from there uh it makes things a lot safer and a lot more uh intentional with the the things that you do and the things that you say and the the opportunities that you create for yourself and for the people around you 100 percent uh i agree with that completely Um, especially as a rabbi, you know, I try to put myself in the other person's shoes. So you're coming to a synagogue, or even if it's not from a Jewish perspective, any kind of worship, you know, I can only speak, of course, from a Jewish perspective. Right. No one wants to be preached to. No one likes a preacher. Mm -mm. I don't mean any disrespect, God forbid, to (laughs) preachers. I I mean that. But no one wants to be talked down to, is, is probably what I'm trying to say better. And if you want to encourage people to take the journey and to be better, then you have to start, like you said, the human to human. Just create a connection. Get to know the person. Because then you can truly help each person if they want, and that's where you want to take that conversation. Then you can help them on their individual journey. This is how we kind of started off earlier. Judaism is a journey. Whether you're Reform, conservative, orthodox, everybody's on a journey. There's no one who can say that they've reached the top of the mountain and they've done everything and they've learned everything. We're journeying and we're climbing and we're learning till the day we pass. So it's really important to really just establish a connection before going anywhere else. Just know the person for the person because they may not even really have wanted to be there. They may not want to talk to you ever again, but you won't know that unless you actually look at them and talk to them and see that. Yeah, and engage. Um, Well, speaking of the Jewish journey... Um, I texted a few friends asking if they had any questions about Judaism. And uh, one of them asked about 
the Judaic view of the post-death experience, like what happens after. She comes from a more orthodox uh, Catholic family, and you know, in in her faith, it's heaven or hell, and most of the things that you do in your life send you to hell. So, like she, uh, she's grown a lot from then. We've we've talked about it, uh, and she's. I believe what I'm perceiving from her question is, I uh, you know, I know our view is that there is no hell, just heaven. So what what further is that when uh, when we've cut the physical cord on our life? That's a great question. There's a couple of things we'll touch upon because that can be podcast and a class on its own of many but i'll try to give an answer as best i can this the body the world is one stop on the journey of the soul so we are a vehicle as we understand for the soul and helping to help it accomplish the mission of really turning this world into a better place and that means practically a place that's more godly more caring more apparently good. And um, we have challenges, right? Every person is human, and therefore we all have ups and downs. So the good and the not good that we do does get tallied. At the end, when a person passes, as we understand from our perspective, there is a refinement process. So take, for example, any precious mineral, gold or diamonds, has to go through a massive very intense refined process to get to that finished product of a beautiful gem or piece of gold and it's got to go through the furnace and it kind of burns away and takes away any of the remnants of dirt so that you're left truly with a pure or as pure as they can get it so that kind of idea is what happens post-mortem when a person passes the soul goes through a refinement process and as we understand it can never be longer than 11 months and it is any of the transgressions that we may have done are kind of burned off, if you will, in that refining process, and the soul then ascends to heaven. Mm-hmm. So there is no, you know, the idea of burning in hell, I wouldn't say is a Jewish perspective. Right. It is a refinement. It's not a punishment. It's not a punishment. It's to get rid of that which might hold the soul back that's, from ascending. That's a really interesting connection. Yeah, and, um, you know, again, I'm not, going to talk about other faiths, nor do I want to put down any other faiths. I'm just giving you the Jewish perspective. That's how we look at what happens when a person passes. There's a whole other side of this about reincarnation and Mm -hmm. and all that, but we'll save that for another time. All right. No problem. Well, I think we could wrap up unless you have any any other thoughts that you'd like to share today. I know we could do 20 more episodes of this. (laughs) First of all, thank you, Ryan. I I really appreciate the opportunity to uh, talk with you as always and if I've provided any knowledge or any help to your listeners, then that's what I'm here to do, and that's what I hope I have done or made you more curious, which might be even better. I think that would be even better. And I'm certainly, uh, I've connected a lot of this stuff that we've been saying today to the stuff I was studying in Buddhism and Taoism, so uh, I will definitely be reflecting and going back to that. Yeah, and I just would say that everybody, no matter if you're Jewish or not, Just continue to ask questions. The only dumb questions are the ones that aren't asked. Continue to be curious. Have an open mind. You know, think for yourself. Make decisions on how you feel, not how somebody else tells you to feel or tells you to think. And uh, hopefully if we're all doing that, I think we're all going to be on a good path. Absolutely. Well, before we finish up, 
do you have one to three book recommendations? Yes, for sure. Cool. Victor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning. That was going to be my first pitch as well. Absolutely. That is an unbelievable book. It's not, I mean, he, this man went through the camps, but it's not from a necessarily just a Jewish perspective. There is a tremendous amount of benefit to anybody who reads this book. It's one of the best selling books of all time. I'd say that'd be my top book to recommend. Yeah. I will uh, put on top of that, that my therapist who is Christian, it is one of her top books as well. So as you said, like it's not just about Judaism, it, it's for everybody. Written by a Holocaust survivor uh, who is a very excellent mind. So I think the other one, I don't want to say the actual name. In fact, the title on, on the book is kind of um, blacked out. Something about giving an F by Mark Matson. I forgot the oh, actual yeah, yeah. title, but that's also a really good book. And he brings out that idea of where to invest your energy and what you should really care about um, in a really funny way, right. which I think is really relatable to a lot of people. I really appreciated mm-hmm. that. I know our rabbi having a book with the F word on it is probably <laughs> not something you'd think about, but that's a great book too. I think it's, I believe it's called The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Listeners, you can find these suggestions, prior episodes, recommendations, and a list of my five-star favorites at bookshop.org slash shop slash EQ. Please use this link to support the podcast and shop local. It took me many years to really develop my own spiritual philosophies, and the process will always be ongoing as we were talking about. But when you are highly aware of your internal philosophical systems and the values that you live by, your life and your choices become more and more authentic and in service of you and the people around you every day. If you want to dive deeper into that space, reach out anytime via my website at agsage.com. That's A-G-S-A-G-E.com. Or just message me on my at EQ book club account on Instagram. If you are Jewish and looking to connect more to your faith, I have a good friend who helps people uh, with that professionally, and he is incredible at it. Message me that you want to meet Shlomo, and I will connect y'all. Share this with your Jewish friends or your non-Jewish friends that you know like to learn. Follow and message me on social media on the at EQ book club account. If you have any feedback, I love to hear it, positive or negative. This is also where you can find a bunch of relevant links to the book recommendations, episode updates, and quotes that I find interesting from these episodes, as well as some video and audio clips. It's a great day for a day, y'all. I love you. Goodbye.